0: pastor Chris's podcast Exodus 11 verses 1 through 8. Then the Lord said to Moses I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. Tell all the Israelite men and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel, and Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, At midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt, all the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of the lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. All the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry, and take all your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh.
1: Morning time, my favorite time Before the thoughts of legacy run through my mind My ancestry, my history It's not my fault, I've only seen what I have seen Now Moses says to let God's people go That I should listen to a God I can't see and I don't know A way of life so rich and rife To let these people go would fill my land with strife For parlor tricks, and snakes and sticks Would you turn your world upside down for these antics? Then the plagues came upon us one by one But when I asked him to undo them, they were always undone And I wondered just how bad it could get Nothing had come our way, we hadn't handled yet And we are Egypt, I am Pharaoh, don't you see And you are foolish to think you'll bring me to my knees Then darkness fell, but only for a spell. Was all of this a game? I didn't know, I couldn't tell. But Moses looked forlorn when he came one morn. With heaviness he said, That God is taking all of your firstborn. But there ain't no way what he said could be true Cause that ain't something any God I know could do And we are Egypt, I am Pharaoh, don't you see And you are foolish to think you'll bring me to my knees time. My saddest time. I kneeled by my firstborn as the sands of time slipped by. He looked up at me. He was confused and weak. I leaned down to hear him whisper as he labored to speak. He said, it's not your fault, no, there's nothing you could have done. It's not like he warned you, they might take your firstborn son. And we are Egypt, you are Pharaoh, I can see. and They will never, ever bring you to your knees.
0: You know we've been doing uh the animations kind of silly animations throughout this series just to summarize the different plagues give you something to remember and we talked about you know what we wanted to do for this last one they're all serious plagues but this one in particular we thought was especially serious and there was a dark tone to it and um you know The people in the Bible were real people. And so we were thinking about the gravity of this nation, all of these families losing their firstborn sons. And we thought rather than do an animation, uh, David had written this song, which I thought was a beautiful, beautiful song, and said we originally were thinking we would put it to an animation, but we thought, you know, um, let's just do it live to let you see the flesh and blood of somebody sitting on stage and imagine a real flesh and blood person holding their son that's passed away. And um, I think that it, it, it gets to the heart of something we need to never forget, that, that these were real people. And every firstborn throughout the land of Egypt died as the angel of death passed over the land. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh to the firstborn son of the lowest servant, even the firstborn son uh, among the animals um, passed away. COVID has affected all of us, but most of us know someone who who has had it, or maybe we even know someone who's passed from it. But the 10th plague affected every family in Egypt personally. Every family lost someone in one dark night. Some would question, why would God do such a terrible thing? And I'm not one that uh, normally questions God, and I'm certainly not one who likes to blame God. You know, there's some people that look at the bad things that happen in the world and they say, this is God's judgment and they will blame it. But unless God speaks to me and says, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to lay blame at his feet. But in this story, he said, I'm doing this. And there's a biblical principle that says a person reaps what they sow. How they act they are acted upon. How did the the Egyptians treat the Israelites? What did they do? You remember that Pharaoh issued that terrible edict? He said, every male child born among the Hebrews must be thrown into the Nile River. Moses was one of those baby boys that was to be murdered in the Nile. He escaped miraculously at the hand of God. And now, poetic justice, that same Moses, is God's instrument to announce this retribution against Egypt for their sins. What comes around, goes around. And the judgment you use against others is the same judgment that will be used against you. This was the most terrible plague of all that struck Egypt as the Lord brought judgment on Egypt's false gods. It was caused by Egypt's sin and arrogance and the stubbornness of their leader who refused to surrender to God and to let God's people go. This was sin that had, it was not just sin that had lasted a year. This was sin that had been going on for at least 400 years while the Hebrews were there in Egypt. And the first lesson for us today is this. Your sin and idolatry doesn't just affect you. The effects of sin spread from us to others like a virus. Pharaoh's son died on that fateful night with the angel of death passed over Egypt, carrying God's judgment. But other Egyptians, perhaps more reasonable people, Less cruel than Pharaoh, they suffered too. They suffered the same fate as they watched their firstborn son struck down because of their nation's sins. So when you suffer because of your own sin, you may think, well, I'm getting what I deserve and the price is paid. But who's paying the price for the suffering and the evil your sin brings on your family or your neighbors, your community, your nation. The sins of pride and greed and lust and envy and gluttony, wrath, sloth, others, they're they're not just deadly for you, they're deadly for others around you as well. Sometimes even more so for the people who care about you the most. The effects of our sins can ripple down through generations. Some may be here in this room today who are suffering um, some scar that you have in your life, some, some sin that you struggle with, some bad habit that you struggle with. And, and you might be able to look back in your family history and you can trace that to your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents. Something that they did generations ago has left a mark on you and you are struggling with it or feeling pain from it to this day, trying to overcome it through God's power. And perhaps the things you are doing right now may have a ripple effect on your children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Many generations from now, they may be sitting in a room trying to overcome some of the effects of what sin you are doing now. And I believe God is calling people today to surrender to Him just like he was calling for Egypt's unconditional surrender to God through Moses. The tenth plague shows the deadly consequences when we stubbornly refuse to listen to the Lord, even though He comes to us again and again and again. It hurts us, and it even hurts those that we love. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Throughout this series, I've tried to show you that we have idols in our modern world just as much as the ancient Egyptians did. Whereas they worshiped the gods fashioned after frogs or cows or snakes, many people today worship idols that we fashion as money power, pleasure, patriotism, or other false gods. An idol is whatever you look at and you say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll, be, I'll feel like my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Idols don't necessarily start out as bad things. They often begin as very good things. But they become idols to us because we make them the ultimate thing. They become our gods. Even family can become an idol. As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, family is is on all of our hearts and on our minds because people want to gather together at this time of year with people that they love, We have a strong tradition of visiting with our relatives during the holidays. Even if our relatives are kind of annoying, we still want to be with them, right? Because that's the tradition. And we're struggling, some of us, because of the limitations that we're feeling right now as to whether we should do that or whether we can do that or whether it's safe to do that. Jesus was once teaching when he said something very challenging about family. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers, Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12, 46 through 50. Jesus, you know, he, he, uh, he was what you would say was part of a blended family. We, we use that term today. I mean, he had a mother and he had a stepfather, his earthly father, Joseph. And then he had his, his, his father in heaven. And then he had brothers and sisters. So he was always probably on his mind, this this dynamic between the earthly and the heavenly, the spiritual and the the carnal. Jesus' earthly family, in his beginning of his ministry, they thought he'd lost his mind. (laughs) I mean, they knew this kid when he had to have his diapers changed. And now he's there, and he's saying all of these things, and and, and uh, they the threatening political authorities while gathering large groups of people. And they wanted to come and take him home and shut him up. They couldn't see that what he was doing was the will of God. Or maybe they, they did, but they didn't care because they were too scared. But he was more concerned about his king his father's kingdom and some people argue and say well you know the ten commandments say honor your father and mother and that's true but that's the fifth commandment the first commandment says do not worship any god but the lord and the second one says do not make idols of any kind but when we put our family before the will of god then we turn them into idols. And when we worship them ahead of God, the results are terrible. Because idols lead to darkness. And they always disappoint. And they always bring destruction and pain. We should love our family. But if we, if we, we, if we treat our children and hold them so tightly, treat them like they're gods, then we end up crushing them under the weight of an unfair expectation that they cannot fulfill. If we treat our parents like gods, we will destroy them with the impossibility of trying to live up to the role of God. Our brothers and sisters, we may love them, we may even look up to them, but they are really just our equals. They're just flesh and blood like us, with some good and some bad all mixed together. And no mere mortal can ever fill the shoes of God. And to expect them to do so is insane. And it inevitably leads to suffering. The Israelite slaves in ancient Egypt were spared the horror of the 10th plague. Each family was in, Each Hebrew family was to choose a perfect lamb or goat, one that didn't have any blemishes or defects, and they were to sacrifice the animal and smear some of its blood on the sides and top of the doorframe of their home. The blood would mark their household as belonging to God, and everyone inside would be covered by the blood, and the angel of death would pass over their home without bringing harm to anyone inside. Now, the Israelites were not really any better than the Egyptians. They were sinners too. But the the blood of their Passover lamb signified that they were in submission to God. And therefore, God forgave their sins and gave grace instead of judgment. Incidentally, the same escape was available to the Egyptians. Any Egyptian who uh, put blood over their door would receive the same grace. And it says in the scripture that the Egyptians had come to hold the Israelites in high regard, and they looked up to Moses, their leader. And one would think that many, probably common Egyptians, maybe wanted to join with the Israelites. And they'd already been through nine plagues. I mean, people come to their senses and they start thinking, what do we got to do to avoid this happening again? We do know that there were Egyptians among the Hebrews as they left Egypt and to go toward the promised land. But to do so would be to turn their back, be turning their backs on the gods of Egypt and turning toward the one true living god if they did so they would be spared so in the morning after the 10th plague it says that there was not a single house in egypt not covered by the blood where someone had not died exodus 12:30 i can't imagine this is the terrible cost of sin it's recorded in scripture for us to never, ever forget it. In the New Testament, John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus Christ and pointing to Jesus, John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. And in 1 Corinthians 5.7, it says, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was arrested and crucified during the Jewish holiday of what? Passover. The holiday when the Jews commemorated God's deliverance from Egypt through this tenth plague. Jesus is the Son of God. His blood pays the price for our sins. And when we surrender to God, turning away from our sin and idols and false gods and turning to the one true God, Jesus' blood, the blood of the Lamb, covers us and delivers us from death and slavery caused by sin. These ten plagues, they're not just myths. They're not just stories on the page. They happen to real people like you and me. And as we struggle through the COVID-19 pandemic, I pray that it has opened our eyes to our own vulnerability and our own mortality. I hope you realize how desperately you need the saving power of God in your life. I pray it will not take another nine plagues like it did for the Egyptians before they surrendered unconditionally to God. Please turn from your sin and turn to God because it doesn't just affect you it affects everyone 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness let's pause then for a moment of silence to reflect on our sin, to confess them to God, and to allow God to cleanse us with the blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. Would you pray?